We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, when we left off last week, we were pretty pissed off about that Memphis loss. That's the last pod that we recorded. And over this weekend, the Lakers beat up on a couple of bad teams, but that's the you know first time I think we've done that twice in a row. The, the nature of both blowouts were a little bit different, but they handled their business and no one did more than LeBron. And when we ended the pods last week, I was talking about the idea of LeBron's leadership and what that looks like. And to me, it's this. It's that player that showed up this weekend. Darius, he dominated a couple of young teams, a couple of not as strong teams in part because they are young, but also mentally. There was that I'd, I'd been talking about the experience of watching him live and how it was just something was off and just how he ran the floor. And what it is, is it's a level of mental engagement that when LeBron James is at his best, he's three steps ahead of everyone else. We talk about basketball and martial arts is, you know, having some similarities and he's a an eighth degree black belt in basketball. And talk to me about what you saw from just a classic LeBron James weekend. The ruler's back. The king is back. It's interesting because he has talked pretty openly in the last couple of post-game pressers and media availability that, that he's had that he is feeling healthier and healthier. He had made a specific comment, Mike, and I'd love to sort of get your thoughts on this part specifically from being around the team. But he talked about mentally I'm there, Pete. And so this speaks to your point. Mentally I'm there. I see the plays a step ahead the way this that I always have. Yeah. But my body has not been able 
to do the thing yeah. I've wanted it to do. Yeah, I need to access this tool to beat this coverage or whatever the defense is doing, but that's too taxing on my body to to choose that choice here. So it's not going to look as good. It's not going to be as effective as a play because I'm not doing the thing that would beat the defense in this situation. So it's just like his abdomen sore. His right. like his his legs are not all of the way back. And so he is, I feel like. Some of what we may have gauged as indifference probably was indifference. Some of what we perceived as indifference might have been him like seeing the chessboard and sacrificing a knight or a bishop a little bit earlier than what he might because he knows that if he does this other thing, it's going to put his queen at risk. And he's just like, well, I'm not going to lose my queen this early. So I'm just going to sacrifice these smaller things. And that's a possession here or a possession there. And it's a defensive rotation here or a drive to the basket there. Right. And he was sacrificing those things, I feel like, in order to have something left in the tank for a different part of the game. But we all know basketball does not work like that. Right. It's like you either are in it or you're not. And if you're not in it, conjuring that at a different part of the game, that's not always accessible. Right. We're down 12 in the third quarter because we haven't had that spirit and that quality and now we have to all of a sudden now i'm into it mike and so you don't play these games in a vacuum the other team controls what they do too and so when you're at your best and i think this is what we've seen from lebron especially is when you're an elite player and you're at your best or approaching your best or whatever right but you're sort of playing near near the peak of your powers you force the other team into bad positions over and over and over again like you can't stop me from doing this so i'm gonna do it now you think i'm going to do that and i'm going to do something else and there is no player i feel like in the last 20 25 years has epitomized that idea more than lebron james and so that's what i've seen the last couple of games. It's that combination of force physically, force of will mentally, and how that can overwhelm in stretches of a game. But talk to me, Mike, because you are the big, like out of all the people that we talk to about the Lakers, you are the one who is consistently coming back with, well, you know, that LeBron James guy. Yeah, we have LeBron right. and AD and that Anthony Davis guy too. Right. There's and, a reason to it. Yeah. Yes. And so AD's been out, but LeBron has been like, whatever. AD's out. These are bad teams. We're going to stomp these teams. I'm going to come out and I'm going to set the tone. And, and so talk to me about what you've been seeing. Well, first of all, I was I was wondering if we were going to get some more on your karate history or your uh, martial arts history after Pete set you up for that last one. I was a little disappointed that you didn't go personal on it, but we'll get them next time. LeBron, while you were while you were talking about LeBron, I wanted to see what his overall impact in terms of, you know, not just production, but from the point that he was ejected in Detroit, because there was there was something there. I think that's it's been a mix of things. The first one was that he has been feeling better. And that's what he said the last couple of games. He said it in the walk off at OKC. And it kind of even while I was on the court, I kind of looked up at him and Okay, so that's the most important thing I've heard is that I'm starting to feel better uh, that like that. Okay, check. That's one thing. And then after the after the uh, the most recent game, 
I think there was also a little bit and he like I introduced this, but I do think I did believe it to be true. Like, I think that watching his son play in person um, mm-hmm. really did do something to him. Basketball enthusiasm wise. Yes. He's like, he's like, this this is awesome. This is like, fun. It's a gift. Yeah. It's a yeah, beautiful thing to be able to do this. And I think the reason I brought up the Detroit game is that combining that experience where he got ejected. Right. And then had to and the whole Sacramento thing where he wasn't able to play, even though he should have been. Mm-hmm. Those three things sort of off the court, I think, have given him some life, have given him some energy as he's coincided with uh, with this physical feeling better. And in these last eight games now where all this stuff is has coincided, he's averaging twenty nine point eight points a second mm. only to Durant. And that's it would have been first, except Durant went for 50 or 51, whatever it was last night. He's shooting 52% despite not hitting his threes as well. He's like 34.8% from three, which mm-hmm. means that he's finishing everything at the rim again. And that is the LeBron that just kills teams in the postseason. So the other two things I want to throw back at you, though, Pete, like the rebounds are up to the assists are up to, I think his, his eight assists in that time frame rank 10th in the league. And then his steals and his blocks. Like, these are the things that are interesting to me. Uh, almost almost to that same extent like he's uh, he's averaging 1.3 blocks and 1.6 steals those are close to the the ad type defensive numbers that really tell you if a guy is engaged and at least when lebron is because he'll have some times where he's not doing that as much so all of that together remains to me sort of the thing that keeps the lakers in that contender conversation you know more so than fit and scheme and what russ is doing it's like if lebron is playing at this level then then they've got a shot in game of thrones you know danny had her army and whatnot and then the dragons would come along the fight would be going however it would be going right it'd be you know a little bit of momentum this way a little momentum that way you're i don't know maybe down by three at halftime to the orlando magic then one of the dragons shows up and just lights everything on fire and you're up 26 like 10 minutes later LeBron is one of those guys when he's at his best and seeing it like there is there is that inevitability of father time being undefeated and all of that. But he's also a a, a paradigm changer. He's like if, if people haven't figured it out yet, like LeBron, we talk about one of ones all the time, Darius. <laughs> LeBron James is is truly one of those guys that I think we're seeing it across sports in a even like a Tom Brady of how long can this guy be? just dominant not just you know an all-star level it's changing the perception and expectations of uh professional longevity in sports and i think lebron is like nobody's been doing this in year 19 before and still being able to be one of the dragons of the nba where it's like oh lebron james decided to just go into the avatar state and all of a sudden the game's over and and so We've needed that. When I talked about LeBron's leadership, you know how you feel if you're in that army and you got one of them dragons behind you, or if you got two of them dragons behind you? You've talked about this a lot, Mike, that idea of like, I got a little bit of hop to my step and I got a little swagger to me. You know who's going to thrive on that eventually more than anyone is Russell Westbrook. That's He talks about that all the time, the idea of joy and swagger. And to me, the let's take a quick break. I want to hear your thoughts on the idea of the timing of LeBron really going nuts like this, because I think it's when we've needed it most. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. 
and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So, it's interesting. I think the Lakers have definitely needed it most. I also think LeBron needed this a little yeah. bit, too. Speaks to Mike's point about the being denied the ability to play. and Yeah. Well, also, too, there is a... I don't care how great you are. So LeBron is just like, I've been doing this for 19 years. Just keep doing what I'm doing, right? Well, guess what? There's going to be a point in time where you keep trying to do what you've been doing and what you and the thing that you're trying to do now, it don't work anymore. But he's found different ways to do the thing. That's what's yes. part of what's brilliant about him. He has. And he's, look, he'll never get enough credit for how skilled he is. He'll never get enough credit for, like, there are so many different things. There are so many facets to being great at something. It's sort of like Shaq, right? Like, oh, you're just bigger than everyone. It's just like, yeah, yeah, no shit. I'm just bigger than than everyone. Guess what? I'm also more of this than everyone. I'm more of that than everyone. I'm more of all of these other things than than everyone. And that's why I'm one of the best players ever, right? Because if you were just bigger than than everyone, guess what? George Murasan would be the best player ever, right? That's not how this goes. I think LeBron need will will need this too. Like a little bit of I, I don't think LeBron will ever have a crisis of confidence. He's LeBron James, but coming out and dominating the way that he has is like another reminder of I'm still that dude. And now now in bringing up the point that you were talk that you were speaking to Pete when other when your teammates see that you're still that dude. That's when that's when things really start to pop off, right? Mm -hmm. And Mike, I have a little idea about the construction of this team that I wanted to kick to you here. The asks on max or super max level players like LeBron, Anthony Davis, to a certain extent, Russell Westbrook, those asks are always high. But when you have a team basically of minimum level players around them, I think those asks get very specific at times where it's just like what we really need from you is to carry us in these very specific ways because 
we can't do those things. We're NBA players, and we are very good at a handful of things. Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Carmelo Anthony, all of these guys. But the things that they do not have, they need sort of the stars to fill those things in. And that, in some ways, that makes the ask on the stars even heavier than what it was when you had a KCP and a Kyle Kuzma and guys who were more well-rounded and who could do more things, right? And maybe had even more confidence within themselves to sort of say like, oh, well, I can do this against anyone. I'd love to get your thoughts on what Pete was speaking to on the team needing this from LeBron right now and his ability to to provide it. But why it's so important too, I think, for him to do this with this specific sort of talent base around him. Because I think that this group more than others need his confidence. They need this boost. They need this swagger because it's what's going to elevate them to being more than the sum of their parts. Yeah, for sure. It speaks, I think, also to to with the limitations of some guys is on one end more than the other. And but if I had to pick one of those ends in terms of like for motivational type stuff and like it would be the defensive end and like so that's why if LeBron doesn't have either his peak energy or his peak physical ability, then those have been some of the rougher nights this year regardless of what Westbrook does uh, I think to an extent although he certainly lifted them a couple games when LeBron was out right or uh, regardless of what AD does because this is the idea of the leadership trio that we've discussed before for all that like you can if you're the if there's a king and you've got two like really really highly skilled princes or something that are coming up but the king is still there so you can't lead as a prince you just can't until the (laughs) Uh king is gone until the throne is abdicated, whether he's playing or he's not, whether he's on the floor or he's not, his presence is there. And so right. I, that's, you know, like that's, that's where a good thing, though. That's a good thing. If everybody can, it becomes a matter at that point is uh, it's a battle of between who's trying to overthrow the king. <laughs> and what I mean by that on this type of team is we've got three guys that have been the number one guy on their team. And if when we but, have but some sort one of, with a lot of success as being the number one guy, no, hundred percent, and that's why he's yeah. the king, right? Yes. And so it's a matter of the other two fitting into the right spaces behind that, and like, what does that look like? Because it's very different than their roles in the past. Now, Anthony Davis, there is way further down that path of knowing how to play with LeBron James, and in, in some ways, there's a peanut butter and jelly aspect to them. But yeah, LeBron is still the king for a reason. And that's a good thing because that gives us something to build off of going forward. It's foundational on a team where there's been so much change. Now, what LeBron James is now, like part of, I am, I've used the word fascinated with this season so much. And I know it's easy to be, oh, you're a Lakers employee. You're going to see the best in the team no matter what, right? And it's not that. It's that there is something here. It may be... Like this may be an absolute disaster at the end of it, right? It will not be boring at any step of the way, nor have I thought it's been boring. Now, it's been extremely frustrating, but this team just really has some fascinating aspects to it. LeBron James is shifting into a different player, D. He is becoming is doesn't it make sense that the last chapter of his career would be as this dominant perimeter big right whether it's at the four or at the five position he's dominated everywhere else on the court and as players get older 
that little stretch that Magic Johnson came back to the NBA, he was playing the four mostly at that point, right? He wasn't playing the one like he did at the beginning portion of his career. And so one of the really beautiful things about basketball to me is how the greatest, the truly greatest players, the Luau Cinder becomes the young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who then becomes the prime Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who then becomes the old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And watching how the greats progress through a long career of which LeBron's going to have a longer one than anyone as like one of the most dominant guys. It's one of the most beautiful things about basketball. And I see that happening in LeBron. He'll never get enough credit for how good he is at all the different facets of the game. And there was a play where the Lakers didn't score. And LeBron has the ball left wing and THT is in left corner, right? And so it looks like they're going to run sort of basically a pistol action for THT to come up and get the hand off. And so THT looks like he's not going to take the ball from from LeBron at first. Like he's going to let LeBron have it and then ISO from that position instead. But LeBron basically signals to him like, no, mf -er, take take the ball. And so he gives it to THT and then they go into like a little ball screen dance and they end up running a ball screen. THT goes back towards the sideline where where he was left hand side. They jump out on him, pocket pass to LeBron. Now LeBron is in the short roll. Instantly in the short roll, LeBron sees the defender in front of him taking away the short roll. He sees the help cramped to the paint and he sees Dwight Howard pinching in to set a flare screen for the man in the corner and the processing speed of all of that it's literally is in yeah. an instant it's like yeah. less than a half of a second it's it's funny if i can jump in real quick i i'll post the slow mo motion clips right and people will be like oh why would you close out to russell westbrook instead of carmelo anthony and it's like well because i'm playing this clip at 25 percent speed right and yes. there there was a ball reversal that just happened that just changed that player's defensive responsibility twice in the span of like a second and a half so yeah you're gonna make mistakes at that speed oh just real quick what was the play that they ran like eight times that got THC layups? That wide pin down screen. We've been yeah. kicking teams' asses with that too. This, that's like Can one of – keep doing a, that with different yeah, guys? Yeah, that's one and, of a thousand reasons why we but, needed to get DeAndre Jordan out of the way. Like, And DJ was good last night in the minutes that he played. It's just like for those guys – Create space because we can because if you got Carmelo Anthony setting the screen on that and THT coming off the curl, we run that for AD and crunch time all the time. Oh, go AD, go stand in that corner. We're going to set that down screen for you with Caruso and you're going to curl to the basket. That becomes real difficult to defend when that's Carmelo Anthony popping out. So the wrinkle to this is, too, is that THT doesn't start on that side of the floor. So THT yes. almost runs a it's almost like they're running floppy action, but it's not. Right. Because he starts in the right wing mm -hmm. and then he and then he circles through baseline. Yep. And then they set that wide pin down with him already having his player in a trail position. That's and so right. And this he's is got why, some momentum, too. Yep. It's, this is why brilliant. he's open. 
yep. almost every single time. It's because he is not setting up on the side of the floor where his man can then choose, am I going to top lock you? Am That's I right. going to play underneath? Am I going to lock and trail? How's the big man position? Because like, like this is what this is what Rip Hamilton used to do. Totally different type of player, right? He's using it to curl to the basket. Although Hamilton would do that, but Hamilton had that mid-range pull-up, right? But that I'm going to start on the other side of the court yes. and run around and like good luck top locking me all the way through this whole obstacle course. Yeah, and if you're going to top lock him all the way on the opposite corner, like you're not. He's not a shooter. You don't need to top lock THT. Right. You're just right? asking for a back cut on on a play like that. Yeah. Exactly. And so and then LeBron is right there at the elbow anyway. It's just like okay, I'm just going to back cut you right here. That pass is even easier. Right. That's right. So, anyways. It's a Back great quarterback to, without a pass rush. Yes. Yep. And and so that sort of action, Mike, that that you just mentioned, let's jump to break here because there's some X's and O stuff that I think is super important here. And I do want to link it back into like LeBron and him being sort of the central nervous system of this team and the chief sort of offensive coordinator because the Lakers are doing a lot of smart stuff now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Lakers have, they are on that path now, Pete, that you have talked a fair uh, amount about. It's such a relief. I don't know where it ends, right? But it's just nice to be like on the right, on, yeah. And so Frank Vogel had some interesting comments, Mike, post game about like, this is part of LeBron's effectiveness is because we've downsized and we're playing smaller and we're creating more driving lanes. And A, yes. 100%. It's sort of what we've been speaking to a lot on the pod for a long time now about sort of the direction that we'd like to see the team go into. And then B, that has also allowed LeBron to sort of even be more in the center of the frame offensively because he is both a matchup nightmare as a big who's handling the ball, which Pete, you mentioned, is sort of this last transition phase for him. But it also utilizes his passing in 
great ways with a team now of guys who really are showing that they know how to cut and move off off it's of the beautiful. ball. Like so some of these actions for THT, some of the cuts that Russ is making, the lingering in certain spots of the floor. The Bradley's been great as a cutter. Bradley's been great. They've been sending more ball screens for LeBron. Like Austin Reeves has been great at doing this. There, there's just been more creativity within the Lakers offense. So either of you, tug of war this, jump in wherever you want. But I'd love for you guys to just sort of speak to LeBron finding his stride at the same exact time that they actually are catering more things to him specifically and how much it's paying off for the team right now, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I so the offensive side of the ball – the spacing, it, it's all, it's just really obvious, right? If you watch LeBron and, and especially when they're in that LeBron at center lineup and there's nobody inside and he can just decide anything that he wants to do is pretty easy for him to do. Cause if he just has to dribble past his guy and then he already knows where the help's going to come from. So he knows, he, and he's probably going to have a shooter or two in that lineup, which is different from the starting lineup. So all of that stuff I think makes perfect sense, but I, I think to layer this in, I think people might be surprised to know that the Lakers are actually 11th in defensive rating right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that Frank Vogel, that's what he's focused most on. He's told us in press conferences, the, the metric that we use that we're most interested in is defensive rating. Yeah. And I think that what he's done is knowingly, again, we're, we don't know anything that Frank Vogel doesn't know, knowingly sacrifice spacing and other stuff to to just hammer home the point to his guys in practices, in games, after games, in film sessions the next day, which he's always talking about how good they are. Hammer home the point of there are certain things that we we have to do defensively. I don't care what it does to us on the other end, because if we don't do these things, we're not winning. We're not winning later in the season. We're not winning playoff series. So that's been a lot of the discussion on this pod has been like the the tug of war between – Look, knowing like looking on the court, this is what it looks like. This doesn't look good. Why is the spacing like this? Why? But then seeing that the defensive numbers continue to get better, continue to get better. They went from 12th to 11th last night. Like, so I think that now that that to an extent, at least they've established something on that end. Uh huh. And now it's like, all right, now Frank's kind of like, you've done, you've eaten your, uh, your mashed potatoes and your chicken, like have, have a little bit of the, uh, the sweet potato uh, with the pecans on it and the marshmallows on top, right? Like yeah, but, a little bit. This is a chicken or the egg thing for me is I would argue that we are climbing in the rankings precisely because he's playing the correct spacing and the right guys. Like DeAndre Jordan did not help our defense. We're not, we did not defend better with DeAndre Jordan on the court. Now, the whole idea of going into the season, we're like, hey, I've got this roster of a bunch of kind of offense first guys outside of my, my main two guys, right? But a lot of offense first guys as a coach, how am I going to approach this season? And if Vogel says, I'm not, I'm not just drawing a line in the sand, I'm building a wall, uh, there's, it's going to be fortified, right? Like, we are playing defense, damn it, right? No matter what, I don't care if I ruin all our spacing, we're going to play defense, damn it. I am I can get behind that, right? That said, the question becomes how and who? Who are you asking to do those things? And so, you know where we ranked in defensive rating before we benched DeAndre Jordan? We were 19th in the NBA. We were 24th in offensive rating before that happened. And so, 
in part, it's like, I, I get the idea of, okay, we're going to play basketball like responsible adults, D, and we're going to play defense yeah. and all of that. But I think that part of that is playing the guys who are capable of doing that and executing it in a way that is maybe a little bit different. And I think we have a lot of – I have some long-term concerns. I still think switching and, and zone in order to beat the best teams in the conference is going to be super important. They have a multitude of looks. But establishing like the main thing that we do, I get the whole idea behind that. But I think who is – even more important than than the what i do too i don't want to turn this into another frank vogel conversation because we've had about a hundred billion of those that's right on this pod i do think that vogel continues to tweak he continues to Mm -hmm. seek out solutions yes and it's fair to give him the appropriate amount of blame and the appropriate amount of credit i thought he probably should have made changes faster I'm going to credit him for making the changes at all because some of the discourse yeah. around him has been he's an idiot. And guess what? He's not. Of course he, not. he's not. Now, that discourse has not been on this podcast, obviously, but he is finding the correlation between how can I def- how can I get these guys to defend? Who are mm-hmm. my best groupings? And Mike, you know, those candied yams, you know what the candied yams are? The candied yams are transition baskets. And all of the fortifying of getting there is through defensive stops, right? And and so we've been talking about this on the pod for months, but Frank Vogel says Lakers basketball is this. And when it's this, the this that he's describing is pressuring the ball, forcing misses, taking the ball off of the backboard, and then scoring in like, Four seconds because we are a thundering herd of athletes that are just racing up the court. And when you try to protect the rim, oh, look, look who's there. It's Wayne Ellington trailing the play and getting a wide open three or it's Carmelo Anthony. And now suddenly the avalanche is on. That's right. And that's what the third quarter was against well, in this last game, it was it was stop after stop after stop, run out after run out after run out. And then it was just like, oh, we're going to play in the half court. It was putting LeBron in the middle of things again and saying, look, man, you're the best at this. Dissect these dudes. He even put on the goggles like it was a biology class and he was going to dissect these dudes, right? Like the glasses are on the ground. Oh, let me put 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 these on. Give me the scalpel. I am taking these dudes apart and that's exactly what the third quarter was it was a rampage of what frank vogel would perfectly describe as that's lakers basketball and so as the team continues to shift and step more and take more and more steps in the direction of this is the version of the team that we want to be look ad is going to come back soon trevor ariza at the time that we're recording this now, he's probably either on the practice court or getting ready to practice with the South Bay Lakers. Right? I, I watched him play two on two before the game last night. He was playing two on two with uh, a couple of the coaches right before, you know, 30 minutes before tip off. And so getting AD back, getting Trevor Ariza back, Pete, these are key players that the team has been either depending on already or looking forward to depending on. And they fit into the style of play, which you've been advocating for since all of these signings were made in the first place. I think that Vogel knows what he's doing 
if it's not on the timeline in which a lot of us would have hoped it to be, we're pretty much there now. DJ's first shift in the first half was like a two and a half minute shift. And that's the second big. There is a direction that the team is going in and it's starting to come together now. So the fast break points, it was 8-0 in that third quarter for the game. It was 20-2. Uh, which is, of course, a, a massive margin. Now, Orlando played the day before, but still they're young. So it's young team, yeah. that much yeah. of a difference. And I also think sometimes fast break points, they don't so, – so if it's like semi-transition or you get one kick out, sometimes they won't count it. The scorekeeper won't count it uh, in the fast break point line. So a lot of times it's even a little bit more pronounced than it than the mm-hmm. actual fast break points you get credit for. To to just dive right back and, and try to respond briefly to Pete um, as I continue to sort of represent the collection of press conferences that Pete is now going to also. Um, I mean, so starting the season, the Lakers still played small as much, if not more, than they played big. And those lineups weren't particularly good either. Like they weren't. It wasn't just like, oh, when when this team goes small and 80s at the five, all of a sudden the defense is good. No, I mean, we were right. missing all of our wings. Well, r- which is right, but which is why they didn't just completely go small, right? Right. So but to, missing wings and just not having necessarily the personnel. So I don't just, we agree, I would have gone smaller sooner too. But mm-hmm. it just, it's not accurate to go back and try to paint it like, well, the big lineups were terrible. The small the lineups, lineups were, were great, terrible. But no, so the were the small line- lineups. The small for, lineups for were not as terrible as, as, like... Let's just, relitigate this at another point. Yeah, like, but, well, but but all right, but I but it's here we go again, right? Sure. I find myself defending the. I'm all I'm defending is the idea of defense that Frank Vogel is trying to get across. Not necessarily I like defense too. Not necessarily with big lineups, but mm-hmm. with like the way that he, the way that the team um, is is giving effort and energy on that end. And it, he wanted. I think he was trying to build it towards something where they've gotten closer to now, but. But yeah, would I have started smaller sooner and pulled DJ? Yes. Also. We we had to go through this metamorphosis, right? Like Frank Vogel won a championship 14 months ago. Yeah. You don't think he believes in the shit he believes in? Like, I get it, right? I'm just – I've been trying to sound the alarm. Like, let's say that winning a championship is like climbing a big mountain. And there are two established paths to go up the mountain to get all the way to the top. There are more than two, but for the sake of the simplicity of the the analogy, just bear with me. One of them, you got to have a bunch of big and strong people to go up the mountain to navigate. Just that particular course requires strength and size and those attributes more than the other course. And the other course, you have to be quick and agile and kind of deft and fleet of foot. And if the small group goes up the big side, they don't make it all the way to the top D. It doesn't work out and vice versa, right? Let's say that Frank Vogel is a one of the, the people, the guides that has done that trip a few times and that has gotten all the way up to the top of the mountain with the team not that long ago. And it's with that big group, right? And he's like, yo, I know the way. And he, he absolutely does, absolutely does know the way with a certain type of team. I'm just saying we don't have, like, I'm looking at the group of that we have trying to climb this mountain and i'm like i don't know if we should go the big way you know and that it's but it's a 
it's just a general path and philosophy of how to go about doing things with a smaller group and seeing this fusion between it's in, in a way it's been a clash at the beginning of it, but D now it's starting to become a fusion of a couple of different styles of play. Now, I don't want to breathlessly overstate the importance of a weekend where we beat OKC in Orlando, but we had an easy schedule to start the season. Yes. We were losing to these teams or in dogfights with these types of teams. We haven't done this yet this season and led by LeBron. So just I, I think this was a significant weekend, even if I don't want to overstate the and that means it's going to be happily ever after. No. So I wrote in my game preview at Forum Blue and Gold that show me what team you want to be. I'll bring out the tweets at another day. Because if the team does what I think they're going to do over the next two or three weeks, I'm going to have some replies to a tweet I sent. And we're going to just, you know, start quote tweeting at some point eventually. But the team is getting closer. They've been getting closer for a little while. But that idea that you just spoke to, Pete, of they haven't done this. They haven't. And I was wondering, like, show me. I wrote, like, I'm beginning to believe in this team. D, the first half of that Orlando game, I'm like, UMFers are never going to learn, man. Like, and then, but there are different types of blowouts. There's the, we went on a mega run. Yes. And it was that avalanche. And all of a sudden, it's, it's over. The game was over in a very, in a flash. And so there are different ways of doing that. And so it was encouraging to see us do both of them this weekend. So far this season, the Lakers have not deserved the benefit of the doubt because they have not shown us no. that they are willing to do the things necessary in order to win consistently, right? That's right. What I've seen in the last week or so, 10 days, 15 days, is a team that is starting to coalesce in ways that they understand who they are. And that means we're going to play a certain way. We're going to compete to a certain level. And we're going to then carry that through an entire game, right? And are there going to be fits and starts? Are there going to be times where we don't sync up? Are there going to be times where we actually can't muster the energy and effort? Yes, there are. And for a normal basketball team in a normal 82-game season, you – either excuse some of that or point to it more based yeah. off of how big of a habit is this. And for the first part of the season, Mike, the bad habits were the most prolific habits that the team had. And so it was very easy to point to, uh, here they go again, right? That first half, I saw more a team that was a little bit out of sync. They weren't mm. they weren't doing like there was a couple of things where it's just like, no, nah, man, like y'all need to. Like you see that extra play there, you needed to go and make that extra play. You need to yeah. dig down a little bit more there. Why are you standing yeah. there when you shouldn't be? You should have ducked down. And some of we got to talk about Russ's defense. Yeah. Soon, and, the, and some of yeah. this I was going to say is individual habits. They're not mm -hmm. team habits. They are individual habits yeah. that have an outsized effect on the basketball court based off of the position that you play or what part of the game it is or all kinds of stuff. That is just what it's like to play a flow sport that goes up and down where the players actually have to compete on both sides of the ball. When the third quarter happened, I was just like, oh, they got it now. Like, like they are now more in sync. All of the defensive rotations were just sharper. They were passing players off. They were helping the helper. And it was just like, yeah, this is the stuff that you know works. You just did this the night before. Like, you just did it. 
And even against the Clippers, when you lost, you were doing this stuff too. You just didn't do enough of it. And then another and guy better got players, hot. And, right? Like right. The other and, team's better guys. Yeah. And then this, this, that, and the other. But incrementally, Mike, I've been seeing the progress. I've been seeing it with this team. And so as they continue to navigate this path and getting Ariza back and getting AD back, and then when the calendar year turns, maybe you get some Kendrick Nunn back. They are finding the ways in which they can be most successful with this group. And I think Vogel, he has not done a masterful job, but I think that he is the person. He's adapted much quicker than I I expected. Well, not only that, Pete, but he has done the Frank Vogel thing, which is I've got 15 dudes, 15 dudes who think they can play. I have to manage these dudes over the course of months and months and months. And I cannot eliminate you from the beginning as an option because if then I need you as an option, I will not have you. You will not be available to me. I would have messed that up. And so Frank Vogel is the type of coach who loves to keep things on the table for as long as he as for as long as he can. And then even when you're off the table, I know that he's going to have these side conversations with you. I know he's 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 going to be like, hang in there, man. I'm going to find some time for you. I'm going to get you in there. Right. Like he is that sort of guy. He is a stand up dude when when it comes to that stuff. And so it doesn't surprise me that he's handled things the way that he has. It does not surprise me that he's adapted. He has shown us when he won a championship. I'm willing to play any different style that I need to play in order to win the game. I have my core beliefs. My core beliefs do not guide me down every single path because the core belief is really play hard, play defense, and we will do those things regardless of who is on the floor. And that adaptability then of changing things, things around hasn't been a surprise to me. It's more just like, I think he had to keep the door open than a lot of other people would have wanted him to keep the door open on on individual guys. Well, and I get that. I was frustrated about that stuff, too. The best example of that was playing Rondo throughout the 1920 season when he was struggling and because he thought there was something they were going to need from him in the postseason. And, and so, of course, that paid off this year. I, I really do think that it was about the lack of any kind of a wing. Uh, and all right, well, I've got these two bigs on the roster. I, what am I supposed to bench both of them now when we don't have anybody on the wing? Well, THG comes back. Ariza should be back soon. Uh, so the he should now have at least some of everything that he can use. Um, and the lineups that are clearly better um, are starting to separate more. And, and that is something yeah. they can take going forward. The part that I worry some about, and I'm, I'm sure we can address this on a future pod, Pete, is sort of the you know, LeBron having to engage God mode um, in order to get them through these last eight games at five and three and, you know, how Westbrook is playing and, you know, a few other of the players that are sort of playing just on one end and and like not quite. So there's a lot still, there are a lot of problems still, right? That LeBron has papered over and now it's time for AD to come back, paper over Mm -hmm. some other problems, right? Mm -hmm. Get Ariza back. And then, so there, there are, it's getting there. It's getting there. Uh, we keep kicking the can down the road a little bit, but the the main point here remains the main thing uh, for me, and and that's just LeBron, and they still have LeBron James. Yep, and that that means a lot. That means a lot. Just a masterful weekend from from LeBron. Uh, all right, we'll be back tomorrow. I can't wait to talk about some of those things, Mike. Like the idea of LeBron in God mode and uh, what that means. I think there's a. I have a, I have a different twist on that idea that I, I can't wait to talk about. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, at 
Talk some more Lakers here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two, one, it. It's over. And shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 